0: And we're going to consider some reflections from Revelation chapter 17 and 18. As we begin our time, take a moment to consider how we live in a world of endless choices. Right now, you're listening to this podcast, which is one option out of millions of media options. And whatever you're doing right now, there's probably many different brands or products or versions that are similar to the things that are surrounding you. Just take a look around. But in a world of options upon options, we realize that the most important aspect of life narrows down to one of two options. As we've been going through our study in Revelation, one thing is clear. You can either follow the way of the Lamb, or you can follow the way of the Dragon. You're either for Jesus or against Him. It's a stark contrast between the two. And now we come to another section where this truth is presented in the book of Revelation. Revelation has often been called a tale of two cities. These final chapters, Revelation describe these two cities. One is Babylon, which represents a fallen world that is opposed to God and his people. The other is the New Jerusalem, which is described in chapters 21 and 22. Consider the contrast between these two. Babylon is identified as a prostitute, seducing the world and alluring people into idolatry, whereas Jerusalem is described as a bride adorned for her husband, the bride, the wife of the Lamb. They represent two communities, two ways of life, two sets of values, and two future destinies. As we see throughout Genesis all the way to Revelation, there are two options, worship and serve the Lord, or worship and serve a false god or idol. Everyone worships. Scripture confronts everyone with this necessary question. Which god will you worship? Which city will you be a part of? And this is what the book of Revelation has been declaring and leading up to this entire time. It's a call to worship, to faithfully follow Jesus. From beginning to end, all of God's plans for history have this goal, to worship the one true God. And revelation is the culmination of that truth. And so here we are, coming to the latter end of the tribulation period. Chapter 17 and 18 are an extension of the bold judgments of chapter 16. And in chapter 17, verse 1, an angel comes and says, Come with me, and I will show you the judgment that is going to come on the great prostitute. So John is carried away in the spirit into the wilderness to see this vision. Now, it's interesting to note that John's previous descriptions of being in the Spirit involved seeing Jesus in his glory in chapter 1, verse 10, where he falls as if dead in response. And then in chapter 4, verse 2, he's in the Spirit and he sees the throne room of heaven, an amazing vision of God's glory and honor and power. And in this vision before us in chapter 17 and 18, though, John rightly marvels at what he sees, but it's in a much different context. He marvels at their unbelief, their sin, They're abominations, especially in light of the justice and righteousness and holiness of God. In the spirit, he previously sees the glory of the Lord, but now he sees the vanity of the world. He saw the beauty of Jesus and now the judgment of the great prostitute. In Revelation 5, John wept because no one was worthy to open the scroll, but he was comforted by the truth that Jesus has conquered. And now a different kind of weeping takes place. The Antichrist turns on Babylon and God judges them. This judgment results in lament from those who have worshipped this false god. The people of Babylon lament and mourn over the destruction of the city and over their loss. Their idol had failed them. It did not deliver on its promises and they have no hope. As it turns out, Babylon the Great, well, ain't so great after all. It's been a long time coming, but the news line and the storyline of scripture finally declare, fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. So the main idea of these chapters is that God allows wickedness to wreak havoc on the world, but he eventually defeats those who oppose him. And in this case, it's in reference to the worldliness and rebellion of Babylon. Babylon is clearly identified in Revelation seventeen five as the source or mother of all false religion. It embodies all of the idolatry throughout history. Verse 5 reads, And on her forehead was written a name of mystery, Babylon the Great, mother of prostitutes and of earth's abominations. Wow, what a description. I mean, I can tell you for sure that this definitely isn't the memory verse for this session. Notice the word mystery, in this description. The mystery that was previously unknown, but is now revealed in God's word, is that Babylon represents a godless world system that's opposed to God. Babylon refers to the worldwide political, economic, and religious kingdom of the Antichrist. And we see this in our chapters, as Revelation 17 seems to focus on the religious aspect of Babylon, while chapter 18 focuses on the political and economic characteristics. And this shows us that Babylon and the beast will be closely connected. The Antichrist will support the harlot in the tribulation, and it will be the mixing of Antichrist's one-world government with religion, which are unsaved people who follow the beast. As we're coming towards the end of Revelation, it's interesting to note, though, that Babylon finds its origin all the way back in the first book of the Bible. It's in Genesis 11, with the building of the Tower of Babel. Genesis 11:4 says, Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its tops in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. This was in defiance of God's commandment after the flood, for people to multiply and to spread across the earth, but they wanted things on their own terms. They wanted their kingdom to come and their will to be done, not God's. And this led to century after century full of false gods and idolatry. As Romans 1 says, it's to worship and serve the creature rather than the creator. Ancient Babylon tried to build a tower to reach up to heaven. But in the end, what we see is the only thing that reached heaven was their sin. Revelation 18.5 says, For her sins are heaped high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Let's focus on this verse for a moment. It speaks of Babylon's sin and God's remembrance and judgment of it. The harlots seduced the world into false religion, and the economic and commercial system then heightened sinful living for passion and for pleasure. 18.3 describes this sin, For all nations have drunk the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality, and the kings of the earth have committed immorality with her and the merchants of the earth have grown rich from the power of her luxurious living. This reminds us of 2 Timothy 3.4, which says that in the last days, people will be, quote, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Describing Babylon as the mother of all prostitutes and obscenities in the world speaks of language that describes, well, spiritual adultery and idolatry. You see, people were made to know and to love God, but they forsake him, and they commit spiritual adultery by pursuing a false God. And that reminds us of what sin truly is. It's a heart that prefers anything above God, to treasure something or someone over God. So what is sin? Well, it's been answered before that sin is the glory of God not honored, the holiness of God not reverenced, The greatness of God not admired. The power of God not praised. The truth of God not sought. The wisdom of God not esteemed. The beauty of God not treasured. The goodness of God not savored. The faithfulness of God not trusted. The promises of God not believed. The commandments of God not obeyed. The justice of God not respected. The wrath of God not feared. The grace of God not cherished. The presence of God not prized. And the person of God not loved that is sin and babylon represents the godless world system opposed to god and this sin has been piling up all throughout history and now it's reaching the heavens so to speak and they reject the one true god who reached down from heaven to earth to save us from our sin Oh, what disregard for God's holiness, for God's justice, God's righteousness, and God's plan of salvation. But, but God has remembered her iniquities, the scripture says. In Revelation chapter 18, verses 6 to 8, it describes that Babylon got what it deserved, that God is just, and that Babylon the great is fallen. And it says that the plagues, that they all happened in a single day, and that their wealth was laid waste in a single hour, just like that. It was all gone. All of the pleasures and passions that they devoted their lives to, it's gone. The return on their investment is nothing but loss. It's been said that sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. And that's what they learned. And we'd be wise to do the same. The sin, well, it makes you stupid, and sin, it makes you sorry. And the result of this judgment is that the rulers and the kings, they weep. The businessmen and women, they mourn their loss, and the traitors, they grieve over Babylon's destruction. This reminds me of Jesus's words, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world but lose your own soul? We see that the great city is turned into a demonic wasteland, home for demons and unclean spirits and unclean birds and every unclean and detestable beast. Wow, what a different environment from the garden city of the New Jerusalem that's described in the next chapters. In contrast to their weeping, it then says that heaven, the saints, the apostles and prophets are to rejoice. And chapter 19 then follows with heaven's hallelujah chorus. Of course, this isn't a rejoicing over the damnation of sinners, but rather, it's because of God's triumph of righteousness. It's the exaltation of Jesus. It's the arrival of God's kingdom on earth. It's answered prayer to the godly laments of God's people throughout the ages. The prayer of Revelation 6.10 is finally answered, where it reads, They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, How long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? God is faithful and just, and he wants his people to remain faithful in the midst of Babylon as well. In 18, verse 4, it says, A voice cries out, Come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins. You see, the church is raptured at this point, but this refers to people who have come to faith in the tribulation. And God calls them to separate. It's to be in the world, but not of the world. And as we reflect on this passage, the same is true for us. The Apostle John also writes about this in his first epistle, in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 to 17. He writes, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life, Is not from the Father, but it's from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. We have Babylon or Jerusalem, the world or the word. It's a tale of two cities, but it's also a tale as old as time. What we see is the same classic tactics from the enemy's playbook. It's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, all that is in the world. This goes all the way back. In Genesis 3, Eve saw that the tree of knowledge of good and evil was good for food, pleasant to the eyes, and would make one wise. In Matthew 4, we read that Satan tried to tempt Jesus to turn stones into bread, to look at the kingdoms that could be his, and to prove himself to the people by jumping from a pinnacle. And now we see in Babylon the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And we face the same temptations today, and we're called to live according to the word and not according to the world. We can't help but be in the world, of course, but we must not be of the world, like a boat in water. The boat can remain in the water and remain separate, but it will sink if the water starts to get into the boat. So let's love the world by sharing the gospel But don't let the ungodly world system pull you away from following Jesus. As Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So let this vision and Revelation remind us of how to live. Let it remind us of the saving power of Jesus, that he has saved us from the penalty of our sins, He's saving us from the power of sin right now, and in glory he saves us from the presence of sin. He has called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verses 9 to 11 summarizes this well. Paul writes, "Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, "...nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Babylon has fallen, but Jesus is exalted. Sin deceives, but Jesus saves." Babylon has come to an end, but God is making all things new. And we have a choice. So let's choose life. Let's serve the Lord. Let's follow the Lamb. In Jesus' name, may God bless you and keep you.